0: Welcome to 40 Trillion DPI. I'm Helen Ayrton. And
1: I'm Justin Carter.
0: We're two designers and weirdos and friends. And every other week we get together to talk about design.
1: This week, we swim to the mid-Pacific trash island that is composed entirely of $30 million worth of Funko Pops.
0: We raise our wrenches and Ellen wrenches in solidarity with Tradeswomen magazine.
1: We begrudgingly consider TikToks Wait. <laughs> I mean, basically, we begrudgingly consider Spotify's TikTokification.
0: <laughs> and we eat a heaping plate of nature's hottest invasive species, kopi.
1: Clearly, we have a lot to cover.
0: <laughs> Let's get into it.
1: Before we get started, don't forget to check out our subsack where you'll find episode breakdowns, visual references, and weird digressions that don't make it into the show find us at 40 trillion trilliondpisubstackcom I guess I can start this week. I feel like I'll start this week because I feel like I have two articles, I have two okay. takes, and I feel like both okay. of my takes are fairly, like, the take that people have been making about these things. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm like (laughs) Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like so I'm a little bit like I'm a little bit like, eh, let's get these over with. Like (laughs) Ah! I like I'm just like whatever. (laughs) I don't care about these things. But um My first one, well, the first one is going to be really short, maybe, maybe really short. Oh I can't tell God. which one to do first. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure you, <laughs> let me send it to you. I'm sure. This is a
0: paralysis.
1: I know, it's so hard. Oh I think this will be a good God. place to start because we haven't talked in a little while. Um, okay. So it's good to see you. Good to be back on the in the pod. Yes. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm sending it to you. Um, oh, okay. So let me open it. No!
2: Myself. Hang on, hang on, hang
1: tr- on. Okay, so did you hear? Did you, did you hear that Funko Pops is gonna throw away thirty million dollars worth of Funko Pops? Why? <laughs> what? I hate to say why? it, cause it's just like, it's like maybe it's this thing of like they're gonna throw away thirty billion. Like, why not throw away all of them? <laughs> <laughs> like, here I'll save you guys some trouble. Throw oh away God. all of these. Where are they-
0: Dude, where are these gonna go? They're gonna just like offload them to another country? Like, this is no, like, they're up.
1: not. I mean, apparently, not apparently. They say they're planning to throw them into a landfill. So, uh, yeah, according to uh, uh, CNN, it says 30 million dollars worth of Funko Pop figures, those big headed vinyl pop culture dolls, will soon make their way into the hands of a new collector, the garbage collector. Uh, <laughs> Funko said its fourth quarter earnings report that a combination of waning demand for the toys and a surplus of inventory is creating financial trouble for the company. Last year, they had to rent excess warehouse space just to hold the buildup of Funko figures, which range from Baby Yoda to Eddie Van Halen. Um... (laughs) yeah and then just one more <laughs> little thing yeah Funko was holding on to about 246.4 million dollars worth of dolls at the end of 2022 Whoa. um which is cr- just crazy to think about Wait, like
0: I can't even like think about 246 million dollars period like how much do these dolls cost are they expensive they're kind something? of
1: weirdly expensive yeah what is your experience with Funko
0: <laughs> um only that I feel like you know, in pop culture, I've seen an iteration of something like this, of a character. You know what I mean? I, I don't have a deep, uh, intimate knowledge of Funko dolls, but I feel like I've definitely seen them in my periphery of experiencing life, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. I think I have too. And I definitely know that from the very beginning, the first time I ever saw them, they made me very mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Like, I really, (laughs) viscerally dislike them. Uh, Wait,
0: really?
1: Yeah. I love cute stuff. I, like, I had a real, like, love affair with cuteness as a young person. Like, I think Uh I I really loved, like, I was really into, like, heavy music and, like, crazy shit, you know, like, crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. But I really loved cute aesthetic stuff I loved like pink Mm, mm -hmm. things Sanrio like Mm -hmm. I was very Mm -hmm. into that as like a high schooler you know like Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think as time went on maybe it has a little bit to do with just like my previous life love of it not that I don't Mm. love it still but it's like I have a much more (laughs) like particular like way of i don't know like the commodity of it is like makes me more uncomfortable i guess like maybe mm-hmm. because i i see a version of myself as a young person but also like all this it's like it mixes all these things together like artificial scarcity pop culture shit and mm-hmm. like cute kind of stolen anime aesthetics and yes. like uselessness you know like it hits all these levels <laughs> it hits all these levels of like <laughs> It just feels like such a scam, you know? Like, it feels like such, it feels like this is the moment of like, or just, it just feels like such trash. Like, and it's like, oh yeah, they're throwing $30 million of Funko Pop toys in the trash. That makes total sense to me. Like,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah. I just, wow. I feel like somebody should have had better oversight of like their supply (laughs) versus demand. (laughs) That just seems like very... Like, because, you know, they're also made out of vinyl, too. That's, like, toxic AF. Like, it's not. Like, these things are not cuddly. Like, they're... I guess maybe... They they smell weird.
1: I guess, like, a couple... I mean, I guess a few things that arise just related to this topic, I guess, is, like, what... Maybe, like, what's your relationship to fandom? Like, I've always, like, had... that's a
0: really, huh. Yeah. Interesting question. Because, you know, growing up poor... I don't think that I was really permitted uh, any kind of uh, deep dive into fandom because, you know, I think that being like a uh, like a number one fan of anything. I mean, there's like an economic investment that goes along with that. And like Mm -hmm. that was actually something that growing up, my mom was very actually against you know even the idea of me wanting to buy something like from littlest pet shop like i don't know if you were familiar with littlest pet shop where it was just like you know tiny uh, cartoony recreations of like cute hamsters and like they would be magnetized and like you could run them (laughs) through a hamster run and like weird shit like that or like bunnies you know like plastic bunnies like, I love like, I, I love Littlest yeah.
1: Pet Shop. I love the name. It's yeah. so sweet. Littlest yeah. Pet Shop. Yeah.
0: I, I was obsessed with Littlest Pet Shop. I still am in some weird... I mean, I love, like, the old Polly Pocket, but, like, mm. my mom was very anti that. She was like, no, like, don't ever, like... I don't ever want to support purchasing any, like, commodities that buy into a franchise of... Right. Of, of, like, a giant ecosystem franchise. Like... She was very adamantly against that. So my relationship to fandom is that maybe I don't really like, like have a, how would you say, like a commodity based Mm. relationship to fandom. My fandom maybe extends itself in other weird ways. Like (laughs) right now I'm really obsessed with Pedro Pascal. He's fucking hot. And my Instagram explore tab has been fulfilling
2: that, wow to,
0: that fandom that need for to feel the closeness the proximity to his hotness and so like like it, maybe what is he, is he, it, what is,
1: he a, is he last of us is he last of us is that him? yeah
0: he was he's in the last of us but he was also like oberon in game of thrones <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: but really, it's just like it's just all the candid videos of him just being like very funny that are very like attractive to me. I'm like, yes, he can get it, you know.
1: Amazing. But, like, Amazing. Yeah, I was.
0: Yeah, I wasn't ever like even Barbie, right, or like any of that. I was never allowed to, you know, like have like I was never allowed to. I guess. Mm, express my obsession in that way Mm -hmm. for a thing it would be like through other you know like oh I get to draw infinite drawings of my pet hamsters right right so it's a
1: more creative act yeah I feel like I mean on the like I guess the the second question it's sort of related but I mean I I also Mm. want to talk about this a little bit was like you know what's your relation with like collectibles (laughs) like Mm, these are the idea of collectibles is like so so weird
0: yes and like I have a weird relationship to that because (laughs) like I I I definitely as a child would collect a lot of different kinds of items um Mm. whether it be and I feel like I'm experiencing deja vu right now because I feel like I've said this before in some other context but like um, this is going to sound weird. Pieces of felt glued <laughs> together in um, an old pill container that was probably my mom's prescription for something. Like, I was really obsessed with, like, these, these conglomerations of shape and color and texture. And, like, the, that would be, like, one example of, like, like a collection I would make or co- but that I would see in my eyes as collectible. And then the other thing that... I remember some of the other things I would collect as a kid... That, like I don't know where these collections are now to be honest, but um, old vintage McDonald's toys, like Happy Meal mm. toys, and tiny little glass objects.
2: Mm. Whoa!
0: <laughs> like like <laughs> it would be like a hedgehog, but then it would be like a little uh, candy or like uh, a lollipop, but like made out. Of, they all had to be made out of glass.
1: Mm, <laughs> was interesting. Like, Glass <laughs> is cool as a kid. Glass is cool. Glass feels a little like it's cold. It's like not a material that like you you tend to have vinyl. You tend to have plastic. You know what I mean? Like as a mm-hmm. kid, plush. Mm-hmm. So glass is kind of like a fun. I get oh, that.
0: Candy wrappers. I also <laughs> collected foil wrappers. Off <laughs> wow! Of these and you strikes. were like flat?
1: Would you like flatten them out? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I arranged them like in rainbow.
1: Rainbow. wow wow that's cool yeah i mean i think actually it's so funny this reminded me because i think we did talk a little bit about this idea um mm-hmm. when we first talked about like nfts a long ass time ago because oh! i think we did talk a little bit yes. about like the idea yes. of the collection or whatever you know mm-hmm. like
2: mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. just so interesting i mean
1: something that you know this is i think like i didn't have a lot of really collections i had toys that i like played with and i collected Mm -hmm. comic books very briefly like i collected Mm -hmm. them it seemed when i was like 10 11 i would go to Mm -hmm. the comic book shop Mm -hmm. and like buy comics and like Mm -hmm. you know issue number one in the package you know like that kind of style Mm -hmm. stuff but i remember at the time Mm -hmm. because my dad was a um a total junk collector. He had tons of stuff. Like he was not like a hoarder, mm. but he had <coughs> he mm-hmm. definitely like accumulated a lot of things. A lot of interesting things. Mm. Paintings, mm-hmm. tools, nails, mm-hmm. like weird toys. Mm-hmm. He had lots of weird toys, but mm-hmm. um you know, he was at the time, I remember him talking to me about it and it always stuck with me where he was like you should never collect anything that's called a collectible. <laughs> Like, he's like, if anybody says, if anything says this is the collector's edition... He's like, Mm. there's no fucking way that's ever going to be worth anything or Mm. interesting Mm. in any way Mm. because it's just made Mm -hmm. to take your money. You know, like he was like, there's no, he's like, collect the things that you find interesting. And if they seem valuable to you, hold on to them. And if they're, if you're just holding on to something because you think it might like appreciate in value and it's a collectible, he's like, you're wasting your time. You know, like, he's like, because it was like Beanie Babies, you know, there was all this stuff yeah. and, oh, you know God. that kind of style yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. it's so crazy yeah. like what it's like a human nature it's like a capitalism human nature thing the collectible mm-hmm. is like i wonder when mm-hmm. the, the first use of that word is from like the collectible <gasps> because it's like yeah aside from being like oh these items you are collectible but like a collectible with, like, a capital C, like, TM, registered trademark, almost. Like, what is Mm a, you know, Cupid doll or what's, like, Mm -hmm. you know, those glass Mm -hmm. figurines that moms Mm -hmm. collect or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, Hummel figures or whatever they're called, you know, like, that kind of stuff. Like, I wonder, like, where what the origins of the collectible is, you know, like mm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it seems like yeah. such a kitsch.
1: It seems like it's like I associated with like 1960s, like Liberace, like kind of like <laughs> kitsch, you know, it's like a kitsch mm, invention, mm. you know, like, mm. um, but yeah, I think these also make me uncomfortable because I do think that people invest a lot of money and energy and psychic space to catching them all kind of you know or to getting rare rare ones or things like that you know what i mean yeah uh, but you know
0: i guess but, but i think to counter that in some way there is definitely um i think like there is something to be said about populating your environment with like the spirit or the energy that you really want to embody in your environment so that it really, like, feels like this is your space. Like, I have a—well, actually, yeah, Brendan, who was, like, on the podcast, like, has an extensive toy collection. And the minute you walk into his room, you just know that the universe is different in this space. You know what I mean? It's like, look out, you know, because somebody has an opinion on how the world right. is, you know? Right. And I think there's something compelling about that. But then there is this kind of... Well, then, again, I kind of feel like maybe it's unfair for me to make this judgment of, like, this kind of, like, blindly collecting for collecting's sake. I, I don't know if, like, I can make that... If I can, like, say, well, that's a lesser kind of way of thinking about it, you know? Like, yeah, I don't know. No, I, don't I mean, know.
1: yeah, sure. That's, a, that's I mean, that is a good point. Like, I think the idea of, like... I guess I keep thinking about, like, people who keep these in boxes on their shelf and you know what I mean like that kind of style I think that's like some of this type of collecting um Mm -hmm. but also yeah just like the idea of just like any I guess maybe it also like speaks to the like uh, like dominance of just the idea of like IP any kind of IP it doesn't matter what it is. Make it a fucking Funko mm-hmm. Pop. It doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. IP. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. and if it's IP, it's like someone is a fan of it. Someone will mm-hmm. collect it. You know, like someone will identify mm-hmm. with it. Like, I don't know. Like IP seems like uh, more so maybe in this generation or now is like, I don't think I really had a lot of like IP, um, like. Like, I think it was, like, a bur- a burgeoning thing when I was young. Like, you know, there mm. was, like, things that mm. I liked. Like, I liked the Ninja Turtles or I liked whatever, you know? Like,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but, like, I don't know if I can explain it. Like, I feel like something has shifted to the realm of, like, being adjacent to some ip or defining yourself around the office the funko pop from the show the office or the marvel universe oh. or something you know like like there's something I thought you meant again, like an
0: actual office
1: no like, like the show you know like <laughs> yeah, like there's yeah, like all yeah. this you know like this universe of like gifts and i don't know like but it's like this kind of like franchise where i think you know the idea of like i think it came from like star wars fans Like, I think there was, like, a huge Star Wars fandom Mm -hmm. in the 90s because the films existed and they were not cool. And then they were very cool, like, to be geeky about. And there was Mm, this world mm -hmm. of geeks who were, like, obsessed with them. And they Mm -hmm. would just, like, reference them and talk about them Mm -hmm. online or be in the burgeoning, Mm -hmm. like, early online spaces. And then mm-hmm. I think people saw, like, when they rebooted that franchise in the early 2000s, it was this, like, inflection moment, I think. Like, it was kind mm. of this, like, moment of deep, world-bending fan service and, like, weird kind of, like, I don't know. And then that everything is that now. Like, <laughs> you know? like Yes.
0: Yeah. Everything is a prequel to the prequel.
1: Yeah. Or, like, know? everybody, every fandom is is, like, acting like they're these... Like, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's almost like, you know, it's like Jesus and the apostles or something, you know, it's like, they're acting like they're this like group of people that the Romans don't want around, you know, like, and they're like, they're like wandering the desert, you know, they're oh hated, they're hated, like, oh. Uh, I I love the office and everybody hates me, you know, like or whatever. Like there's oh this like God. persecuted there's like a persecuted fandom that goes along with some of this IP. You know? And the Funko Pop yeah, is like yeah, the yeah. totem of persecuted uh-huh. fandom. <laughs>
0: a few things, but I feel like I'll, I'll take it from Funko Pop Land to Tradeswoman Land. Uh, <laughs> I don't typically get to, I don't typically dip around AIJ, ION Design too too often, but last week I just felt so inclined and I actually thought, this, this is a publication I never heard of before, it's called Tradeswoman, the title of the article is, Tradeswoman was the magazine for women in blue collar work during the 80s and 90s. And it became an integral tool for organizing in a landscape of sexist gatekeeping. And I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. I've never heard of this before. I I don't know, like, you know, it obviously doesn't seem like something like I would typically pick up off of the newsstand. I'm not an electrician or plumber. But, um, <laughs> but I just thought, oh, what a kind of novel idea, you know, like to have this kind of uh, publication for women, by women, but it's not, you know, just about like, it's, it's about an actual like job profession and it just makes it kind of very niche, you know? Um,
1: yeah, yeah. it's so cool. It's really beautiful. It's like,
0: yeah, I think it's, I think it's really, yeah. Um, and so I'm going to read part of it here. So the person who started it, um, her name is Molly Martin. She lives in, she's retired and living in Santa Rosa, California um she is a trained electrician and in the 1970s she and other tradeswomen like her faced stifling discrimination that saw them rejected from jobs on the basis of their gender and intentionally kept out of unions that were supposed to support them so this was a way for them to come together and support each other um which i think is like so cool uh yeah so cool Uh, i
1: love it yeah really cool Mm -hmm. I mean, I yeah. love the idea of just, like, also people taking control of, like, how they're being represented, you know, like, and mm-hmm. being able to, like, control that and produce, you know, like, something where you can see yourself and, you know, mm-hmm. like... Um, Makes such a difference you know like for people like because if mm-hmm. there's no representation out there or it's only through someone else's gaze you know what i mean like it's like
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh it becomes very hard to you just feel crazy
2: yeah
0: it ran for a long time too from 1980
1: to 1999 wow it's just so wild amazing. but yeah so there's yeah. a lot of pictures like just description of like the images it's like women like welding with hard hats and, like, work shirts. as a great photo. It almost looks like it's in Oakland at the Oakland, like, shipyard or something like that. Like, the mm-hmm, great, like, mm-hmm. stretches. I like that where there's, like, yeah. how to, like, stretch or, like, pictures of people's hands for some reason i I know know the hands
0: page is like really sending me i'm like i love that so much but it's also like really
1: international too it seems like there's like someone in germany like there's people from all over like kind of showing this like international world of women working it's like very cool Um, Mm -hmm. and then yeah truck driving woman the song it has like a lyric music sheet at the end which is like for the song song, truck driving woman which looks incredible but yeah i mean there was all these like little magazines too i mean this is like a kind of a tangent but you know there's like the those magazines of like uh like camper living you know these old like independent small like hand type set you know like typewriter mimeograph like magazines you know like it's Mm. very very cool i love Mm -hmm.
0: it i also like this um this paragraph here um where they talk about aligning with like the civil rights movement so we wanted to be aligned with every organization of people of color that was actively organizing around the civil rights movement um in san francisco tradeswoman inc partnered with well-known lawyers Chinese for affirmative action equal rights advocates and employment Law center they helped them file lawsuits including one successful case against the Department of Labor that secured goals and timetables for women and minorities in construction um, so like yeah it, it helped them it, I guess like it helped them actually get hired like I guess some of this like right this like work that they were doing which is, Super cool. I
1: mean, I feel like like this is also just another moment of, like, a great... I'm just so tired of the internet right now, just in general. Yes, me too. (laughs) I feel like this is such a great example of something that's, like, A, it's, like, Women Run Magazine about women in the trades that is aligning itself with radical causes, helping women get work, like, supporting each other Mm -hmm. in, like, labor. Um, It's such a, like, you know, again, like, we're not, like we're out of this era of, like, girl boss or of, like, hashtag mm-hmm. feminism or whatever. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But, like,
2: mm-hmm. the
1: level of, like... You know, that was partly, like, people would be like, oh, we want representation. We want to see ourselves. We want to, like, you know, be shown or whatever. And, like, kind of... Uh, I don't know, just, like, what a difference it makes to be a really integrated, really aligned, like, kind of, like, committed to the... Um, material success and support of these groups and of people it's Mm -hmm. like such Mm -hmm. a beautiful reminder of like how so much activism or so you know so many things now it's like oh but do they have these deep connections and that these like these things still exist and still look Mm -hmm. just like this and they continue they've continued the whole time not this magazine but like Mm -hmm. you know that's still the people who are doing these like organization campaigns still are producing work that looks like this and functions this way
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: while online like hundreds of different movements of different types of things come and go you know what I mean like I don't know it's just like
0: yeah I mean for me it's like a refreshing reminder of just a different timeline of like mm, gathering or gathering around a cause you know like Mm -hmm. it can be you know of course like the advantage of the internet and social media is like the kind of quickness that everything can kind of happen you know with like mm-hmm. like the yeah the kind of a uh, speed element but it's just as fast you know it's like just as fast as you can like gather people together people can also disband very quickly because yeah there's just like less uh investment in yeah. like liking a post or you know sharing a story or whatever like what really counts is like the follow-through and i think with you know like thinking about this um, magazine tradeswoman magazine or whatever i mean yeah i you know they obviously had to really like work to even get the thing together you know to like have the funding and um maybe
2: not having the internet was a good thing, you know?
1: Yeah, or just, like, as a reminder of, like, you know, there's maybe... I mean, it's fun to just imagine that, you know, there's a little bit of, like, in this last few years, it's been a moment of, like, feeling like everything has to happen on the internet. That we were sort of sold this idea that Mm. the internet was this, like, public square... Mm -hmm. And in reality, it was not, you know, like, Mm and actually doesn't function and doesn't help anybody Mm -hmm. and isn't helping anybody Mm -hmm. uh, change Mm -hmm. their lives or whatever. And it's done some Mm -hmm. things. I mean, there's, you know, some good things about, you know, some types of visibility or some things like that. But, like, the actual Mm -hmm. real deep changes will be elusive without Mm. a real commitment, you know, like, or without, Mm -hmm. like, a real... Mm I was standing for something that that doesn't go away you know and that is mm-hmm. you know um limited in a certain way but like mm-hmm. you know maybe i don't know what the impact of this i mean it sounds like it's a pretty powerful magazine but like you know the hundreds of subscribers or thousands of subscribers that got it you know like it probably really made a difference in those people's lives, you know, like, and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. um, I think that's really cool, but like maybe more so, you know, the idea of maybe it didn't reach as many people as it could have, uh, but maybe mm. the people that it did reach, uh, it was, you know, not, not like a lifeline, but maybe something that, uh, that really helped them to be power, be empowered in their own, um, space or whatever. Yeah, um, totally i don't know if this will be something that we will end up on the show but i was i was looking or or, like i was listening this morning to something maybe it's just a conversation to have but i was listening to this morning to ezra Ezra klein show and he had on a guest Mm -hmm. that was uh i forget they were a sociologist maybe and they were writing you know a lot of people have been talking recently particularly in sort of like the sphere of debate around the new york times or whatever but it was all about um Mm. all about um Oh, the problem with men. Like, what's happened to men in this
0: time? Does that make sense? Like, in, uh, uh, like yeah, elaborate. Like, <laughs> like
1: you know, kind of this thing where it's like this Ezra Klein thing of like, um, not Ezra Klein thing, but it's like by all measures, men have been dropping in success in the last like twenty years. You know, and so like they they mm. had one they had one fact where they were like they're like, well, that's a crazy statistic. They were like, since Title IX has been introduced, like. When Title IX was introduced, let's say it was, like, women made up, like, you know, 13% of college graduates or whatever. um, And now, like, or 30 or something like that. And now it's shifted. It's almost flipped the other way. Like, since Title IX has existed. It's something like that. I'm (laughs) messing it up. But it's, like, they were only 13% and now they're 26%. Or they've, like, doubled Mm. and men have decreased by the same amount do you know like there it's mm, like the mm. tables have totally flipped um and mm-hmm. like women are doing better in in high school they're doing better in kindergarten they're doing better in the workplace mm-hmm. they're making more money they're like all this other stuff mm-hmm. but of course still mm-hmm. facing so many challenges and like um mm-hmm. but Ezra Klein brought up a really good point which I liked which was interesting Was he was like he's like for many years it was always like wow women and people of color are like not doing as well on the standardized tests. like what's wrong with them what's wrong with their households what's mm-hmm. wrong with their lives like why aren't they smart mm-hmm. enough is it something genetic mm-hmm. like why can't they win and then he was like mm-hmm. he was like and then when white men like decrease their share of power by 10%, it's always mm. like, well, what's wrong with the test? What's wrong with school? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> like, why why can't we change no. school
1: and change testing because <laughs> men, you know, so that men can like get their 5% back or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know, this magazine <laughs> reminds me of like a world where, you know, it's like people are fighting for, recognition and for same treatment and for respect Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. that you know how valuable this was and how brave it is to create something like this too you know and sort of to be like hey Mm -hmm. we're showing what you might say is a non-traditional roles for women but like Mm -hmm. look at there's a lot of us you know like and we're Mm -hmm. just as Mm -hmm. much women as anyone else
0: yeah I mean I feel like especially, I guess, because I've gotten older, I feel like it's... If I think about it specifically within a design context, it is very much, like, about uh, we're the women leaders because Mm -hmm. it's not very often that you'll be working or freelancing for someone where, like, the creative director is female or someone who identifies as non-binary or whatnot, right? It's more often than not, you'll end up working... Under a dude, and I just feel like they're like it's almost um, I don't know what the right adjective for it is. It's like the the kind of systemic, you know, stereotypical con- understanding of like people being better at certain roles because of who they are, gender wise. Like I think mm-hmm. that definitely still very prevalent, especially in design. Totally.
1: Um, so, yeah. I mean, maybe the, we
0: need like a design woman, design woman <laughs>
2: magazine.
1: Oh my God. No, I, I mean, know. that was like so when I met, <laughs> I met, um, uh, this person, Mira, in when I was in China, who's great. She works for a website called The Type, and she's a translator. And she does like I think I've showed you some of her books. Where I was trying to connect her to talk mm. with some of your students. Maybe she does a lot of work around mm-hmm. like bilingual Chinese English typography and stuff. She's really fascinating. Mm. But one of the things she was talking about in our conversation was she was like, "Yeah, I'm trying to start." She was trying to start a website for women like creative directors you know, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, I want to have this, like, international, like, index of all these women creative directors, mm, you know, and I was like, oh, that's really mm. cool, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about that, and she was like, there's not enough visibility, there's all, exactly this conversation, and then
2: mm, I was mm. like,
1: oh, I was like, well, there's sort of something similar in the United States, and I was like, got up my phone, and I was like, oh, there's this, like, women who draw kind of thing, like, Wendy McNaughton, these people that started this, this index of, like, women illustrators mm-hmm. or whatever, and Mira mm-hmm. was very, she was like, yeah, that's, Just yeah, of course they're girls. They like draw. Like she was very like you know she was like no no no. I'm talking about directors, and I was like ah got it. I understand. understand." Like like she was very disappointed. Like we had had a long conversation, and I was like I get it. I was like oh this site's kind of similar, you know. And she was like no, it's not similar at all. Like she was very like like she's like yeah girls draw or something like that. You know like that's what like of course that's like something there we're expected to be like soft and creative you know like and make like illustrations or whatever she was like no no no! i want a website of directors
2: (laughs) but
0: like i mean to her point like for real though it's like i guess it's like yeah like but we can be soft and creative and leaders too and like i just don't comprehend like why why you got to be an asshole to be yeah in in power like in leadership like i don't comprehend that at all it's like it's not about being an asshole to get your way it's more about like being a smart fucking listener and like being able to pick up on like these soft skills that i swear to god a lot of people at director level don't necessarily possess
2: (laughs) Uh, i can be i'm
0: comfortable being on the record saying that
1: I, I don't really feel like talking about this, so let me just put it in here and okay. we'll just check. We'll just—I'll I'll tell. It, I'll say it to you, and then we can move on. Okay. Um, okay. So here I'm clicking on it.
2: Oh. Uh,
1: <laughs> so did you hear about how Spotify's new redesign?
2: <laughs>
1: They're basically Spotify redesigned themselves to look like TikTok. Um, so that now they're more of like a video, audio, music discovery platform where you oh, can man. like I gotta, oh. vertically scroll <laughs> through a mix of podcasts, audio and video. Uh, uh, and, um, yeah, I don't have much to say about this other than again, what a lot of people have been saying about it online is that it's just so dumb. <laughs> That it's like, (laughs) like, it doesn't make sense on a 100 levels, like, because this is just not how people use Spotify, like musicians put in music, like, it's not like a user generated platform. But one thing that was really funny in reading about it was they were talking about how they're trying to move more towards like user created content or whatever and it's like oh right yeah. you're like tired of paying people the little bit that you do pay people you want people to create <laughs> yeah. shit for free i get it yeah. like which is essentially what they're going <laughs> yeah. for but um i did read one good tweet about it which i think again we mm. should just end here and i would love to hear what your topic is but um this person okay. i don't know who this person <laughs> is their name is ryan mm-hmm. broderick i don't know mm-hmm. i can't vouch for them i don't know who their like okay. what their life is about but they yeah. said I found it, like, I screenshot it from an article. This person tweets, Lol, I woke up mad about this. Spotify is, by every metric, the winner of Web 2.0. They had ads, premium content, user-generated content, subscribers, a quote-unquote good algorithm, and original content. And they are hacking their UX apart because 20-second TikTok songs are going viral. Uh, Uh. Which I feel like is, like... (laughs) I was like, okay, Ryan Broderick, you just, you nailed it. I don't need to really say anything else about this. Oh,
2: uh, wow. It's so stupid. I,
1: and I, I canceled yeah, my Spotify a few months ago, so I don't feel this I'm, very viscerally. But um,
2: yeah, I just am I so feel disappointed.
1: Inclined. It's so sad. I feel
0: inclined. Yeah. I I go, you know, in honestly, in the most recent, you know, couple of years or whatever, it's just a place where I kind of archive, like, you know and save like the things that i like so that if i want to listen to those things i go and like listen to them there i do not need any of this nonsense like in my yeah. i'm not trying to be distracted by yet another app on my fucking ass phone that i constantly want to toss in the toilet like i do not want that in my fucking eye holes okay yeah. like it's if one more app tries to shove more content down my throat I'm just gonna vomit forever. Like I just can't. <laughs> it's just too much. It's too much. Like I, I do not want to be overloaded.
1: All right. What's what's your last one? What's your what's your final one here?
0: Um, a design studio rebranded Carp. The can oh. fish. Can a fish be a brand?
1: I saw this. I like the illustrations that go along with it. <laughs> okay, but I don't know the story. What's the story?
0: Uh, okay, let me read you the first paragraph. Recently, the Illinois Department of National Resources, which, like, how do you have an Illinois Department of National Resources? Like, um, mm. it's like state to federal. Um, Asked branding studios span to rebrand a fish. The new miracle species that Span concocted in collaboration with design consultancy Daylight is called Copi, named for the copious or abundance that it promises Americans. <laughs> Among Copi's other defining traits, which let's let's remember now this is a fish. Right. <laughs> it is environmentally friendly, locally sourced, wild and responsibly caught. Plus it's fresh and mildly flavored, marrying well with the range of seasonings. Copi is a clean, top-feeding product that is healthy, high in omega-3s, 6s. What's an omega-6? And protein. <laughs> Copi is also sustainable and significantly reduces carbon emissions from waterways to table. Um, it's a fish. like It's a fish that was an invasive species. like. Right. It's a destructive fish, according to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and a parasite. I just like think... I, okay, so this is what bring, what it brings to mind for me, the mm. idea of rebranding a specific fish. It reminds me of all the Got Milk, you know, like the, yeah. the campaign to like make milk be a thing that everybody consumes. It reminds me of like, you know, uh, California cows, you know? Like it reminds me of all right. these like branded efforts coming from like a federal or like apparently state funded place. To make something seem more appeasing or appealing or something that needs to be an absolute stable to, like, your diet or something.
1: I don't remember where it was, but I heard a show about this, about a whole... I mean, there's, like, restaurants that only serve invasive foods, right? Like, where they'll Mm -hmm. serve, like... um, And there's one place where these people go and um, it's, like, a lionfish... And they they kill mm. these lionfish and they go out and they'll collect hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. They sell them to restaurants and they like just go out and dive for them. And it's like this crazy thing because they've like they're killing these reefs and it's like this whole thing like you know and talking about like oh it's great like they're doing this thing but also it's like kind of this crazy thing because it was like well the lionfish didn't ask to be invasive. Do you know what I mean? Like or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. like. I'm glad, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, killed, like, 80,000 lionfish, you know, like, all this crazy stuff. It's just, like, this really sad, you know, like, I think that often the story is, like, hey, we're rebranding, trying to save the environment. It's also just, like, wow, this is so sad, like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, yeah, but I also know this, also this fish, the carp, the, like, quote-unquote Asian carp, which had this, like, people had to, like, all these invasive species, like, African honeybees and, like, Asian carp, all these, like, fears yeah. of, like, being overtaken by these, like, copious fish or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> it's very... copy, cop-y yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder how it's going. Do people eat it? I don't it? know.
0: I mean, like, I just think, like, it's, like, what I, what I want to understand... It seems like the branding is consumer facing,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: wouldn't it need to kind of start from a different place, right? Like the sourcers, like the people who actually fish, like wouldn't it need wouldn't the education component need to kinda of go to them, right? right? Where it's like, let's catch carp.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think what they're trying to do is like they're doing a demand side economics, like where they're like, if people want kopi like, you know, like let's then Fisher will Fisher people will will catch them. Right. Like because uh, yeah. they can sell them or something like that. Like, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting. I wonder like I guess the other thing is like how to create, like, a cultural norm or something like that, you know? Mm, like,
2: mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. food
1: is such a hard thing to, like, change in people's culture. And it's such a battleground of gentrification or of, like, otherness yeah. or whatever. Like, this idea of, yeah. like, what's on your plate or, like, what... You know, it's, it's all tangled up in these, like, deep feelings of, like, infection. You know what I mean? Like, of, like, food yeah. or things that Mm -hmm. might infect you you know what I mean like and so I feel like it's like I don't know it's like this would you I mean whatever it's I wonder I guess it's like this is one of these things of like I I don't know if this is the case but it's like as design like it's cool and it's good that they're thinking about it but like it also doesn't like it's not like the, it's not taking a holistic enough approach to, or I don't know, maybe it is, but like the idea of like um, creating a culture, not creating, but like honoring an existing culture that already eats a lot of carb. Do you know what I mean? Like, or whatever, like, and like already has a whole world of food around these fish, like, which does exist, you know, like, um,
2: yeah.
1: And, you know, it's like, You can get carp at a lot of restaurants in Chinatown. You can get carp, you know, like I had it at like the Shanghai Bund or whatever, you know, it's just like, um, so, you know, I don't know. It's like, rather than do that, it's like, there's, it's like, I think it's something that feels interesting. Like, how do you say, like, it's a kind of version of a melting pot kind of like capitalism as like destroyer of difference a destroyer of history or something like that yeah you know what I mean? yeah, like, <laughs>
0: yeah i mean even in the image that's like featured in the article it's like you're telling me that there's a fish that will help me eat well and do good but i have no idea what that fish looks like
2: yeah you know right like what does that
0: that's not choose copied. why would i go to that website like, why? Right. Like, right. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't, like, it, it's more, okay, so there's this, I don't know if the Monterey Bay Aquarium still has it, but I remember the first time I ever visited the Monterey Bay Aquarium, I think I was, like, 13, like, it was, like, my first year in America or something, and I remember, like, going to the aquarium exhibit where they had the giant ass tuna feeding or whatever, oh, yeah. um, and I think around that area, they had this little, like, three-panel fold-out, like, it was intentionally pocket size so you could fit it in your wallet but it was a it was a little guide of like fish to purchase or or consume while you you know when you dine out and like which mm. fish are under this mm-hmm. list of like these are sustainably farmed these are endangered like you yeah. should try to avoiding this fish altogether like that to me like feels like a more useful angle of like okay like you want to be responsible you want to like You you want to you want to be responsible. You also want to communicate to the consumers, like the consumer audience, that like this fish, like is a sustainable fish to to consume. Like like that to me feels like a better context for talking about carp than just being like this one fish. Do this, like, but not give any like it just feels misguided to me. To be honest, I'm just yeah.
1: I mean, or again, it's like it's like (laughs) an idea that you could like. I mean, it may solve something, but, like, it's, like, it's, like, um, that you could short circuit, like, a deep fear and a deep fear of, like, like, a deep-seated, really misguided kind of, like, xenophobia.
2: Yeah. Because it's, like,
1: you know, it's, like, rather than ask people to really think about what they're eating and think about... It's, like, because people don't, in a way. You know, it's, like, I guess, like... Yeah. It's working on the, like, the sort of, like, uh, psychological, you know, like, uh, not Lacan, but, you know, like, Freudian kind of level of, like, what is... Oh, my headphones. I think my headphones just died.
2: Oh,
1: oh. oh, It's okay. Um, Okay. I can, like, trim you out of the audio. Um, But, like, the... um, Again, like, I don't know, kind of like trying to short circuit that the, the, I don't, without like actually confronting it, you know, like and like using design as a means of doing that. It's interesting. I mean, I think it's definitely like, theoretically, I feel like it's an extreme could be such an extremely powerful use of design because I feel like it, it is doing something because I feel like often in like design activism, it's like trying to get design to do something that it's good at, but doesn't really function in the way that you want it to. It's like, let's make posters or something, you know? And it's like, cool, posters, okay. But like this, I feel like gets to the heart of like deep, what design does well in in its good and bad form.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find us at designfreaks.cafe or follow us on Instagram. Just type in the number four, then keep adding zeros until it comes up. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.
1: Perfect. We nailed (laughs) it. Perfect. First try.